Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach. So, hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas, where it's been a little rainy of, of late, but we're enjoying all the water, which is great. Today, I welcome Religious Science Minister and actually Senior Minister of the Center for Spiritual Living in Granada Hills, California. Um, he's a former carpenter contractor. Reverend Michael McMorrow has written a book about finding a God that works, and it's entitled Blue Collar Spirituality. That's a catchy title, isn't it? Um, so we'll look at that book today. It's therefore a joy for me to welcome Michael McMorrow to today's show. Welcome. Well, thank you, Reverend. Thank you, Reverend Paul. I'm uh, thrilled to be here, fan of the show, and listen to you guys when I'm hiking in the local hills around here on podcasts. That's awesome. Yeah. I know that's that's the cool thing about podcasts, isn't it? I know a lot of my listeners do that. They they take it in there. The, you know, their devices and are able to do it at the gym or when walking or whatever. And I, I love that idea. That's cool. Yeah. It's kind of weird, though. You think, you know, somebody's listening to me as they hike, you know, <laughs> whatever they're doing. <laughs> but, you know, wherever. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. I love it. That's modern technology at its yeah. best. Um, so you've written this book, Blue Collar Spirituality. And you call you call yourself jokingly, I think, because I don't think you are. A recovering redneck. Is that right? <laughs> well, yeah. It's uh, mostly because uh, a recovering blue neck doesn't sound very clever. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, have, I would say that new thought has definitely softened uh, the rough edges, uh, you know, um, from the, the man I used to be to the man that I am today, certainly. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I just kind of wanted to share that uh, with working people because I, you know, I was one. Uh, I always say ministry is uh, it's uh, a great job. It's the uh, best seat in the house. Uh, but my toughest day in ministry is nothing compared to swinging a hammer in the hot sun all day. <laughs> Oh. Right, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. You were a, yeah. a contractor, a carpenter, whatnot, and yeah. um, and you mentioned that a lot in the book, right? You use the symbology of uh, that kind of work, you know, as, as a way to approach spirituality, and and it kind of works, doesn't it? Because uh, there's a chapter on um, resetting the form, 
problems, right? And uh, yeah, and, and you do that a lot, of course, in in you know, building a house or whatever. Um, but it also works in in terms of our spiritual endeavors because um, we we get to choose, don't we? We get to choose the structure uh, of the way we. Uh, What's the word? Fashion our lives, you know, and the ultimate right. form, the ultimate form, of course, is the the divine ideas, right? That we're we're able to marshal in our lives. Yeah, and uh, and I do think that uh, you know, building or rebuilding is a great metaphor, uh, uh, and and our working life really is a great metaphor for the for the big unfoldment when the light bulb goes off. Uh, and and we uh, open ourselves up to have a deeper experience of the spirit, however we know it to be. Right. And when we come from a very structured or dogmatic background, that can be a struggle. Uh, at least it was for me, because I had I had actually been exposed to Emmett Fox through Twelve Step, which is a whole nother book. <laughs> right. <laughs> but great, but, great uh, book. I was uh, sober 13 years when I found uh, religious science or new thought, but I had been familiar with Emmett Fox for some time, but uh, I, I struggled with this idea of the idea of Chris, uh, uh, Christian uh, or not Christian. What am I trying to say? Um, uh, the idea that uh, I could use God as a uh, power and, a um it'll uh, it'll come to me in a minute but using oh i know it is uh using christianity in a more scientific way and to approach it that way uh were concepts i just uh struggled with and, and then i struggled when i was first exposed to new thought because i didn't think i could think about god that way <laughs> so so when so holmes of course his tagline that we use a lot or at least i use a lot is there's a power for good in the universe available to everyone and we can use it uh, when that a light bulb went off when i heard that because i'd never thought of it that way yes and well, it, was, um, it was the idea that god was sort of other right and we were sort of miserable creatures that um if we were lucky you know god might hear us in a prayer or whatever we certainly couldn't harness all the energies of God ourselves, that, that would be almost blasphemous, wouldn't it? Well, that's what I struggled with, yeah. Because And then, of course, I came up in my own particular brand of Catholicism and that my dad was Irish. Uh, and both my parents were... Uh, my mom was born in England to Irish parents, and then my dad was born in Leitrim. So, uh, so that puts a whole nother layer uh, on that kind of stuff. I don't know that the church is so much the way it was when I was raised in it, but uh, <laughs> certainly, you know, you didn't think about using God. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Charles Fillmore, you know, the co-founder of Unity uh, said the same thing. He said, you know, God loves to be used. And some people have, have a hard time with that. Oh, my goodness. Like, you know, you can't use God. But you know, I think utilize is, is a better word. Utilize is... The dynamic power and and the divine ideas that are inherent in God, right? That we we and I love that we are deeply connected to the divine, and therefore we we inherit those same qualities. And 
and it, it's it's not blasphemous. It, it's really what God wants, I believe. You know, God wants us to express. Uh, and you mentioned this in the book. I love it. You mentioned the power of imagination, which is greater sometimes than our power of thought. Right. The the power of imagination is is very close is close to God because it's limitless. It's the, the infinite possibilities that I like to talk about it. And I notice you you use that phrase in the book, too. Yes. Well, yeah, because the creative impulse uh, is the driving force of the universe. I mean, yes. <laughs> right. So the uh, uh, you've mentioned this with other guests that, uh, you know, the physicists are starting to sound more like mystics these days when they uh, are describing these natural processes. Uh, and then we, too, are, of course, creative beings. Uh, uh, and it's a, a powerful idea, I think, to understand that we reflect that creative genius of the universe within our own lives. Yeah, that's beautifully uh, put. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and we do it unconsciously. And uh, and then we get what we get. <laughs> Which is sometimes, you know, it's kind of, you know, come see, come saw. But if when we when we kind of... Uh, not kind of, but when we do embrace the notion that we can use this power in a conscious way, then the whole game changes and life has a significant shift. Uh, at least that was my experience. And, right. And we're uh, not, everything's not set in stone either, is it? Or set in concrete, as you might say. You know, the, right. the change is possible. Yeah, and you know, the, the book is kind of a love note, I think, also to working people, because I just, I just know that so much of uh, my working life, not that it's not this way in ministry, but it's different. Uh, I was just so busy working that I, even though it's kind of a deep thinker when I had the time, but um, when your construct is limited, it's hard to think in unlimited ways. And uh, and also, you know, the idea, I think sometimes working people see themselves as not intelligent because they don't have degrees or uh, formal, uh, formal learning. But there's, uh, you know, mechanical intelligence is uh, very powerful. So, you know, I'm working with uh, uh, working with some of my guys who came right off the farm with less than a high school uh, education, and yet they would figure out how to lift these things and uh, do all kinds of uh, – where I would be stuck in my own thinking trying to figure out some logical and <laughs> way to do it. Of course, safety was always first. But then these guys would come up with some simple way to use leverage, uh, you know, to move something really heavy or whatever. Right. And, exactly. uh, so, so there's that component that, uh, I guess I just want to encourage people, working people in particular, uh, to know that we can work, uh, smarter rather than harder and uh, to bring spirituality into the mix is to really, that supercharges or superpowers the whole thing, if you will. Yeah, you bring up a number of points there. We could, a uh, number of threads we could uh, follow, but 
I think a couple of them are, you know, very important. And that is, you're right, you know, the, the people, we, our society, unfortunately, is skewed towards white collar, isn't it? And you're rewarded if you have the degree and you're doing the right job at that level. And we don't pay our people who are doing essential tasks uh, as well as perhaps they should be paid. I mean, I think the whole, our whole society would fall apart if it wasn't for those folks, you know, and you see that during COVID-19, very much so, that um, those essential workers, low paid often, are the ones that have, you know, kept us going through through this whole uh, situation. And um, I'm, I'm always amazed at the, uh, the skill and the hardworking quality of, of Hispanic folks in Texas, you know, because we have a lot of those folks here. Sure. And, and, and right. they work, and as, as you do in California, and, and they work exceptionally hard. Um, they're dedicated. They can do things that no, probably many white people would not choose to do, you know. And um, and so, you know, hats off to them, I think. And I, and I love what you're saying about the, the ability to be intelligent. You know, there's many levels and, and ways of being intelligent, not just in in intellectual or, or school terms, right? Right, right. And uh, yeah, so we, you know, I have a lot of Latin, I had a lot of Latin help myself. And um, uh, great, great guys, great family guys. You know, so remember all the talk about family values uh, years ago and trying to get these guys out of the place. And yet, fam, you know, there's like a lot of immigrants from Europe back in the day, they come here and they send half their money home, right? Right. And, and uh, you know, just watching these guys work hard and, and take care of their families. Yeah. And then so, another, another... And, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and uh, regardless of how hot it is outside, they work, I have yeah. to say, those guys worked a lot harder than I did and, and harder than most Anglos. Right. But, you know, when I first came into trades, uh, many of the guys who were in construction were off the farm or just one generation removed. Right. And, uh, of course, there's like twice as many of us now, but um, uh, it, it's difficult to find Anglos who even want to do this kind of work. But I got to tell you, it's paying really well now. <laughs> so if any listeners are out there looking for a, a good paying job that's challenging and interesting and changes every day, trade work is uh, is a very fulfilling and now uh, lucrative. I mean, there's just there there aren't any guys out there. There's a real shortage. So good to know. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. If you've got the ability to do that or the the will to do that. You know, in 12-step <laughs> yeah. is often said that, you know, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired um, yeah. at one stage in your life. Did you reach that stage? Because you talk about the pain and suffering of life and the struggle, you know, that you went through. And um, so, yeah, does is, is that make sense to you? Yeah, totally. Uh, in fact, you hit on the reason why. When I went to my first meeting, I, you know, I didn't know about the whole alcoholic thing, but there was a, because I was expecting to see like Aqualung and shopping carts and, you know, scummy dudes. And, uh, and it, of course, where I got sober, there were a couple of those. <laughs> but there was also a young gal who was uh, 21 taking a cake for a year. And then a guy came up 
and and he talked about being sick and tired of being sick and tired and boy i didn't know about the other stuff but i sure related to that yes and and um so yeah that helped me get the plug in the jug and and i've kept it there ever since uh and that that is part of my discovery too because in 12 step they talk about a higher power so that was my first um I guess dalliance in the deconstruction of my understanding of the divine and my relationship with it. Uh, and I think that's the genius of 12 step is to stay away from just to acknowledge that there's a higher power rather than, well, like what I like to say, we all agree. We like ice cream. Let's not argue over the best flavor. Let's just enjoy (laughs) the ice cream. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, one of my uh, professors at Unity Village, when I was going through seminary, used to say that, you know, know, there is suffering in life. There's obviously pain and some kinds of suffering, but there's also something called useless, unnecessary suffering. And that's where we sort of internalize suffering, right? And, And... and live from that context. And and you talk about that in the book, that that, that, that kind of suffering is optional. You know, we don't we don't have to um, make it a story, right? Where we're in pain and suffering all our lives because of you name it, you know, that my parents, <laughs> my job, my wife, my this, my husband, whatever, you know, that it's not necessary. There, there's a healthier way, if you like. And, and you know, new thought, I think, and, and religious science unity, they're both very closely allied teach this healthier way, right? Where you can take charge of your life and um, shift things around so that you're, you're not living in, in that uh, spin cycle anymore. Yes, yes. And the, uh, you know, that, I don't, I don't, I mean, this will be more in your field than mine, but uh, the, from this uh, denominational blind faith uh, from a devotional part instead of actually using it. So, so like a concept, for instance, of um, something that my mom would say a lot growing up. Of course, there were seven of us. <laughs> so there was a bunch of us. But she would say, uh, you know, offer it up for the poor souls in purgatory, right? Right. And so, you know, you, you can see the value in that, but that's not really – a. Uh, it's not really pushing you to address the issue and to, to see where your power uh, lies so that you can change it or at least shift it because you're right. Suffering, suffering is the part we can do something often can do something about because it's always our thinking about things that makes it worse. And and then you hang out with other people, like when you're in the suffering mode, as I was, you know, that, that, then you're hanging out with guys and then you're one-upping each other on your suffering. Right? Yeah, so, of so you think that's bad. Well, you know, this one, I did all this work and then I got stiffed and I didn't get my retention above, you know, and then you start swapping stories. And next thing you know, everybody's glum. <laughs> it just doesn't get you anywhere. No, but we do tend to reinforce it sometimes, don't we? It reminds me of that famous Monty Python sketch, you know, where they're sitting around 
they're rich now, but they grew up poor supposedly, and each one was trying to better the best the other one on how, you know how bad they they had it. You know, I, I had to eat gravel for breakfast, and the next one said, "No, my father used to kill me every day." You know, things like that, but more and more extreme. But that that tends to be a part of our human nature sometimes, right? The the ancient yeah. awful, the awfulizing syndrome, and it's hard yeah. to get out of that, right? Because it it becomes a um, conditioned response to everything with it's safer right. in a way isn't it you know nothing's expected of us you know i can't do anything because you know i had all these stri strikes against me in life yes and uh you know it's it's such a passive way in a defeatist way uh to live and i think really all we need is a little encouragement and i agree you know a uh, new thought uh, you know unity if if uh, if you have a strong uh, Christ uh, Christian background with its biblical um, approach to things, uh, and then religious science, like for me, I, I didn't I needed kind of a break from that stuff. And religious science, of course, Ernest Holmes speaks much more in what, uh, well, and maybe the Fillmores do too. I'm just not familiar with them, uh, but. You know, his textbook is all about mental, 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 and which is also a safe place to hang out too, right? Because he doesn't, you don't start talking about feelings too much yet, uh, you know, when you're first introduced to the teaching. Right. And and boy, I needed that. So I had the higher power thing down. But then when I started to realize I could apply it in other areas, that's when things started to change. Yeah. Absolutely. Powerful. And yeah. you, you met, we're going to head towards the break, but I want to cover a term that you use, uh, the, the common denominator. Talk about that. Okay, great. So um, are we talking about that now? Yeah, we've got a couple of minutes. Yeah, okay. uh, I just wanted to All cover right, that good. before the break. Yeah. yeah, so well, the idea being, of course, when we look around in our life and we're taking uh, inventory of what's going on, and uh, particularly with the, if if we're in a state where we have a lot of stuff, uh, it's uh, like the wheel on the manure spreader. <laughs> then we have to look at things and go, okay, so what is the common denominator here? What is the one constant factor in all of it? And of course, it's always ourselves. And so if we can come to that and accept that, okay, so what is it about myself? Well, it's my thinking about these situations. That's really what I'm struggling with. Uh, and some of those things I may have been struggling with for maybe my entire lifetime. And so then this is where this uh, creative genius of the universe, however we want to call it, this is where if we make room for the spirit to come in there, that we can, uh, you know, by focusing on that aspect of the common denominator that keeps getting in the way, that we can uh, shift and lift the tendency of that thought to more life-affirming ways. Um, I love it. And, and you know, the, the wheel that you talk about, it's the same wheel, yeah. right? But we 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 see it in different ways. For instance, the wheel of suffering or the wheel of karma, and the yes. wheel of karma, you know, become the wheel of of dharma or truth, 
um, when we see things differently. So the very things that hampered us are also the things that free us, because when we see them clearly, you know, we understand, oh, okay, that's helping me understand at a deeper level. So this is the beauty, isn't it? We're, we're, um, we're on the we're on the wheel, but the the wheel is both ends. Yeah, we're we're living in a both end universe. It's not like get rid of something; it's integrate and understand that something. Yes, and, and then of course the response, you know, the personal responsibility part of it also. Yes. Um, so, uh, and and because when we do that, then we then we start to move out of the blame the blame game. Uh, and instead, okay, because some of the stuff may be real, right? So, that, I mean, life happens, and we sure. all start from various, uh, you know, uh, the starting line is staggered. <laughs> right. So so the, uh, so the we all start out in different uh, ways, but uh, if we know that we have uh, the power, that we absolutely do have the power, to shift that regardless of uh, station or education, uh, but it is ours to do. I was so, reading a I was reading a Hafiz book, uh, a poem from a Hafiz book the other day, the great Persian poet, and and it's about uh, God playing tag, and touches you and says you're it, and that's good <laughs> news and bad news, right? It's good news because God loves you so much, He wants to tag you and then and, and say you're the other one that can do this but then we've got this personal responsibility that you mentioned that makes it tough you know uh, there's no one else that's going to do it we have to do it for ourselves and uh, that, that that takes some doing sometimes you know it takes right. courage yeah right but we can do it yes right so Absolutely. and as as new thought ministers that's probably our biggest task is just to uh, help folks to understand that they can do it, that we're not the exception. Uh, but uh, if we can do it, then you can do it. And the, that it works. Yeah. And that, that, that it works. And it works really well. Yes. Yeah, yes. Which is the beautiful thing about it. It's not just some nice ideas. If you apply them, it will change your life. I mean, and, and that's guaranteed. We've seen many, many examples of, of that happening for the seemingly ordinary people that are doing, you know, extraordinary, extraordinary things. Folks, I'm with Michael McMorrow. He's written a lovely book. It's called Blue Collar Spirituality, Finding a God That Works. I think you'll find it very interesting if you get hold of a copy. Um, when we come back from the break, we'll talk more about the, the wonderful ideas in the book. Uh, but right now, let's listen to these uh, messages from Unity, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Join us then. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. I'm with Michael McMorrow. We're talking about his book, Blue Collar Spirituality, Finding a God That Works. And there's a lot in that uh, byline, isn't there? Finding a God That Works, something that uh, is practical in our everyday lives. I think that's what attracted me to unity and new thought in the first place was the fact that I could actually take it into my week. It wasn't just some ideas on Sunday. It was a practical way of living every day. And it requires, as we said at the close of the first segment, it requires a certain amount of discipline because we have to have self-responsibility if we're going to activate uh, the divine in our lives. It's not just a moment of epiphany and then everything's great. Um, Though I was impressed, Mike, about the uh, epiphany that you had. You were on the freeway. Uh, in coming past the Getty Museum, I think it was, and the smell of the chaparral was blossoming, and you could smell it, and one of those magical early mornings, and you just felt the rightness of everything, and I think we've all experienced something like that, and I thought, even though I have never been on that particular freeway, I, I could I could feel the, the the moment for you know that you had, and. Um, and and that sense of rightness, the sense of all is well, right? And you, you mentioned that you said, I got to hold on to this. And of course, the minute you said, I'm going to hold on to it, it was gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't, as my wife said, I shared this story with my wife and she said, well, it wasn't completely gone because now, you know, Michael is able to put it in his book and and have other people uh, feel that sense as well. So, so uh-huh. you know, it's all it all works together for good, I guess. But it's not just about the epiphanies, is it? And they're wonderful. I mean, I've had a number of them in my life. But, you know, after the ecstasy, the laundry, so to speak. And, and you have to <laughs> Exactly. Get, you have to get back down to work, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Chop wood, carry water. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, yeah, we take those moments and we glean from them what they can or what we can. And then that... Uh, I call those little, uh, you know, like little moments of uh, faith validation. Uh, And as my uh, faith and uh, belief uh, grow uh, in the notion of being able to use uh, the spirit as I understand it to affect change for good in my life, uh, the more effective I demonstrate that power. so it's, um, you know, it's the, that law of circulation idea where the more we use it, the more we demonstrate it, the more we demonstrate it, our faith is strengthened. The more our strength is, the more our faith is strengthened, then the bigger things that we become confident in tackling. Because it's not, it's not that we can't use the power. We just have to become confident in knowing that that's what we're doing, I think, because we're, you know, we're great forgetters. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll catch myself, oh, I could pray about this (laughs) 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 instead of trying to wrestle the steer one more time in the the world of form. 
Oh yeah, there is no steer. There's only my struggle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a discipline and a joyous one though. You know, it's um it, it, we see it's a bit like a spiritual muscle, isn't it? Uh, you know, as as we work it, you know, then as you said, it becomes you know, more capable and, and we look at it and we think, my goodness, that that's pretty impressive. I, I didn't realize I had that within me, but, uh, you know, I want to use it joyously. You mentioned earlier that, you know, no thought, it's very name, thought, new thought um, and religious science and certainly unity, you know, are based uh, upon the, the, the idea of changing your thoughts, changing your world, changing your life. And we've seen in recent years, I think, that just thinking about things is sort of limiting, yes, that, that we, we have to also feel we have uh, intuition, you, you've emphasized imagination, we, we have a basket of, of ways of approaching this, and it's not just about thinking, because I find it a little dry and cerebral if I'm just thinking about these things, I, I want to feel them. Um, I, I want to know them to be true in a way that I can't understand rationally. Yes, yeah. I, I, yeah. I want to mm -hmm. approach them in, in, in all in all ways. Um, and and I, it seems to me that just like those wo fellow workers that were able to use their you know, imaginations to move an, you know, an item on the, on the work site, uh, so too, you know, the, the ideas that come to us seem to come out of nowhere. I know I know when I'm writing. I got a blank page and then the, the page is filled and, I, and it wasn't me that did it. And I'm sure some of the ideas came through my thinking sense, but they came from a m more mysterious source. Yeah. And, uh, and that is, you know, the, the way that I structured the book, you know, I really don't talk about God and God terms for the first few chapters. Right. Because, because I'm trying to kind of, you know, pull the working guy in, a working gal. You know, uh, many women have appreciated the book, I should say. And um, and then just being able to identify that in, quote, ordinary ways in, in our ordinary working life by just really kind of paying attention. Uh, and then cultivating that, uh, those awarenesses, and then experimenting with ways uh, to uh, demonstrate uh, the power. And uh, the way to really anchor anything is to try and attach it to a feeling tone. You know, I think that's why music is so powerful. Like if, uh, you know, an old song will come on and it'll take us right back to uh, some older memory. Uh, we can... Uh, you know, we can use all kinds of methods to anchor this uh, new notion or this new design that we have for our life. Uh, and uh, by bringing the focus to it uh, a day at a time, um, sometimes a moment at a time. Uh, because in a way, if we're really stuck in a struggle cycle, we're probably addicted to some thought form. <laughs> that we need to really practice releasing. And this is where, uh, in religious science, of course, we call it a mental treatment. Uh, I think in, in uh, unity, maybe an affirmative prayer, I'm not sure. Correct, yes, yes. Y yeah, so uh, th it's such a powerful tool, I think, because we're moving from the, 
just saying words in the way of an affirmation to allow it to hit that feeling center uh, to where it becomes a uh, a new truth uh, for us, and then things shift. Uh, but I think, at least for me, if they had told me, uh, you know, coming in through the from the door of religious science, if you will, if they had told me I was going to have to get in touch with my feelings and my heart center, <laughs> I would have said, "Get me out of this hippie hangout, man." But uh, but you know, you can't stay here unless you access that because the spirit ultimately has its way with you. Uh, and when that happens, then you do, you, you just naturally uh, open or are broken open, I suppose. Uh, You're absolutely right. Th- I suppose if there's any value in suffering, maybe that's it, right? That, uh, <laughs> yeah. We're broken, broken open. Yeah. Well, that's the story of Job, isn't it? That, uh, you know, he tries to argue with God, you know, for 42 <laughs> chapters, whatever it is. And in the end, he, he, he is literally broken open uh, to something new and he repents. It says in dust and ashes. But more important than that is that he said before, I, I thought I knew you, but now I've seen you. Now I feel you. And uh, that, that was the shift, right? We moved from his head into his heart and uh, everything changed as a result and he was able to repent and dust and ashes which i don't see as uh, being a miserable sinner and making you know misery of yourself what it means mm-hmm. to me is i can humble myself i i don't i have to be anything special because the light of spirit is shining brightly within me and and the, the minute he did that the minute he he, he opened himself of course all all his um wealth and his family were all restored to him which is symbolic of the of the idea that you know when, when we change the whole world changes you know we we have a new lease on life um and the things we thought we'd lost you know here they are again it's literally the the phoenix isn't it rising rising from the yes. right absolutely and and in ways that are often far more meaningful uh joyous uh creative than what we left behind. Uh, coming back, but, coming back to the uh, the touchy feely, I felt exactly the same when I first came into Unity because I came from Great Britain and we're a little more reticent about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> public displays of affection. And at least we were back in the day. I think it's changed now since Princess Diana. I think everybody's become more touchy feely in Britain. But um, back in those days, you know, the, the, when I first went to a Unity. A church in America and everybody was hugging and loving on each other and we had to turn to each other and say I behold the Christ in you or I love you or something like that it was extremely, extremely <laughs> awkward yeah. for me and you know, it took me a while but you know once I got the idea of it um, and I broke down the, that reticence it's like yeah I love this this is awesome and um, you know because it's well, like it, a, because a connection it's... made right Well, and I think you're hitting on something there for men in particular, that we have to be courageous with that part of ourselves because Mm -hmm. it is part of us, right? And, you know, we don't have to be afraid of being a girly man, right? Right. Because there's tremendous freedom and release in it. And uh, when we become more comfortable with that, you know, Father Richard Rohr in one of his books speaks to how... um, 
uh, younger men need the love of older men uh, in appropriate ways, of course. Uh, and I think there's something to that, uh, that uh, it's important for us to model uh, kind of a, a new masculinity that's not afraid of being masculine uh, and not afraid of being soft. Right. So that the softness becomes a new strength uh, and is seen as a strength rather than a weakness. And it doesn't have to devolve into a uh, caricature either, you know, like he's a metrosexual, whatever, you know. It's, just, it's <laughs> exactly. not, it doesn't have to be a glib thing like that, right? It's just being right. more authentically real and, and relaxing into that ability to do just that. Uh, and things powerful when you can marry those two together. Well, I, I agree. And uh, so then, you know, when you get to the the back end, cause it's a short book. Uh, it's only, gosh, I don't, I, I think I started out with 100 pages. And then I just with the editor, Angela, Carol Brown, and I, we just, we just stripped it, stripped it, stripped it. So it would read fast, because I figured I would only have a guy's attention for so long. <laughs> uh, and but to to get to uh, the that last chapter then and then to to acknowledge that the strength and the power in living uh, from that place uh, and that place then is the living spirit expressing uh, through us and um, I don't know for for myself as I've become more comfortable with that and it's you know it's an unfolding thing for me. Um, I don't know, just every, my, my relationships are much better, uh, including when, you know, I proved these teachings when I was still a contractor and, and I realized that on some level, I actually, you know, kind of loved my customers, <laughs> right? I kind of loved the guys who were working for me, uh, and not some mushy kind of way, but in a respectful high regard, uh, sense of compassion and, uh, you know, for their wealth, you know, concern for their welfare and so forth, uh, that I was kind of missing before that. Yes. And, and I was, and I was profitable doing it. <laughs> so it didn't cost me any money. It, what it cost me was, you know, spiritual coin, I suppose, or maybe, Maybe the just releasing my old guarded ways uh, of being. I should point out to to our listeners that uh, each chapter ends with a, a toolbox, if you like, a set of questions um, that we can look at and, and, and cogitate a little bit and, and take into meditation time and be honest about ourselves where we are at any given point. And th those are effective because they reinforce what's happened in the chapter, what's been relayed in the chapter, and then and then you get to uh, practice it if you like. Yeah, so it makes it a, a practical uh, workbook as well as well as just a good read. So um, I want to point that out to to our to our listeners too because I thought that was a, a very effective part of the book. Well, great. Yeah. Well, you know that's one of the rubs that I have with uh, religious science, of course, is our tendency to affirm the positive, affirm the positive. And so, uh, and that's not that that's a negative, but 
uh, and it's good to think in positive ways, but you know, we all love, we all love candy apples, but if all you're going to do is put caramel on a rotten apple, uh, you're not going to get a good candy apple. Yeah. So, so we have, you know, it's not enough just to smear positivity over everything, but to, you know, identify and to heal, you know, to heal the stuff that's, you know, identify that thinking that no longer works and then to heal it. Uh, and, um, so I, I'm glad, uh, the work, the workbook came through, you know, there is, a there is something missing in the book though. Which okay. <laughs> I didn't discover until, I don't know, I've read it three or four times at least by now, but I, I didn't really cover forgiveness in it at all. Uh-huh. And, you know, for a book around spirituality, I kind of chuckled to myself and said, wow, dude. So what is that saying? (laughs) (laughs) Something's holding out there. (laughs) Yeah. So between that and the epilogue, you know, there's probably a a second edition that needs to come out. And uh, is the epilogue's kind of dated now, but the uh, certainly forgiveness is a big, I mean, it's implied throughout the text. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's the, the, the implicitly, even if not explicitly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, I found it amusing that it wasn't in there more. And as visibly. you say, the, the, the epilogue speaks to COVID. And, you know, the time you were writing, there, I think there were 10,000 deaths from COVID. And of course, we're way, way beyond that now, aren't we? And, uh, but hopefully we're we're moving towards you know the well i hope we are anyway to, towards the end of the uh, pandemic i don't think it's quite over yet but it's certainly a, a lot different to what it was say 12 months ago so for that we can give thanks but um yeah it's been tough for many people and uh, and it's forced us to rethink and not all that's bad right they call it the great reset um, and if we're willing to reset and, and look at life in a different way, that's wonderful. But I think so many people are just waiting for it to be normal again so that they can resume their same old lives. And I don't think that's effective because maybe the same old life hasn't, hasn't got us, you know, too, too great a place right now, especially in terms of climate change and um, the polarities in our society right now. So. I, I think a reset or a reexamination is is called for personally. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we got some work ahead of us, you know. Uh, I, I think we're we may be in the same cohort. Uh, you know, I remember being in my twenties and thinking we were going to change the world. Right. And uh, right. And uh, and I I was very much into uh, nature things. You know, I think that's probably why I. You know, I always liked working outdoors because I was, uh, you know, and I liked working outside, even though (laughs) the Northwest winters got the best of me uh, after a while. But the uh, uh, but this is this is the only planet we have. This is the only home we have. And, you know, it's time for us to, to stop squabbling about things and put our shoulder to the cart. And uh, and to bring all of the resources, you know, personnel as well as uh, as financial. And, and 
seems like we might be crawling towards that, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but, you know, that was my clarion call, if you will, at the end, because, you know, if, it's great to change your own life, but if you're not bringing and raising others with you, uh, you know, uh, you might want to look at that. Yeah, and that's uh, a huge part of the book we haven't really talked about, isn't it? That uh, once once we've changed or begun to think differently and, and empower ourselves, then, then we want to help others. I mean, obviously, that's worked for you. You were empowered to become a a religious science minister, right? To put to help others, and um, that that seems huge to me. That, that once once we understand spirituality, you know, it's, it's summed up by Jesus. We said, love one another. I mean, that's it, basically, isn't it? When, once you understand we're all connected, um, then we want to use this power for good. Right, and 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 love, as it turns out, then just to kind of bring it full circle, love is the healing agency and the power behind all of it. Uh, so for myself, the word love is just a, another word for God. Uh, and I spoke to that briefly in the book, you know, how God is kind of a placeholder word for uh, this power. Um, but I, I think ultimately that love is probably the glue that's binding the whole gig together from the subatomic level to the world of form and in the way seen and unseen. Uh, and in the ways that we can do that more courageously without putting conditions on each other, I think we really can create, uh, we really can invite heaven, you know, God's imperial rule here on earth heaven here on earth so uh and if this little book you know i i, I did have people I've, I've had students tell me that this book along with their introductory classes uh to new thought has been helpful and uh, so i'm just hoping that uh you know it, it gets some legs and uh and people can you know help people kick their life into the next gear. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a very well-written book. It uh, covers the, uh, the basic teachings of New Thought very well and with a personal touch and uh, offers some, uh, you know, some unique features, I think, that, that, that we're looking for because, you know, we want to see the, the, the spirit of the person writing it and that comes through. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend it myself. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a misnomer, really, the title Blue Collar Spirituality, because um, it, it's, a, it's a spirituality that works for all, but it, it is underpinned by that connection to, to the working world. And uh, that's important because we're, most of us are, we may not be contractors, and the carpenters, we're all working in some way. And you mentioned earlier, yes. you know, ministry's easy compared to uh, contractors. I, there's some that would disagree with that. But, you know, <laughs> whatever you could do, don't do ministry if you can do anything else. <laughs> you know, it's it's the most joyous thing, but it's also, you know, a hard road to hoe because you're um, leading people uh, along. And, and, you know, sometimes it's, the church feels like a spiritual hospital sometimes when we're dealing with with a lot of pain and suffering. 
the book right. ends, and we're, we're getting towards the end of the show. Book ends on a celebratory note, isn't it? Um, the thrill of victory, right? When, and it's not a personal ego victory here. It's the victory of of consciousness, I guess, over adverse circumstances, old tapes, old patterns. Uh, and there, mm. there is a thrill to that, right? There's a joy to that. Yes, yes, and and uh, and just to witness that in others, uh, at least for me, uh, is an even more joyous event. Because I have to say, when I was taking these, uh, you know, these classes and and learning, you know, how to use this power myself, uh, I was convinced it wasn't working. <laughs> But it was the people around me. They're watching me change. You know, they're watching my language, right? So the F-bombs are getting uh, fewer and far between. And the the angry, guarded guy is uh, loosening up a little bit. And uh, so they started to see that shift in me before I did. And, of course, uh, I uh, those of us who've been around New Thought, whether we're uh, laity or... Uh, practitioners, uh, you know, we get to witness that in others, and it's uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. And I think it really is the the pinnacle of human expression is to to embrace the uh, free expression of the divine as we understand it to be uh, in, through, and as our life. Beautiful, um, you know. So, Let me tell people yeah. about next week's show. And that, Mike, I'd like to ask you then to give us a couple of words of wisdom that people can take with them into the week, okay? Uh, be thinking sure. about that. So next week, uh, Fabiana Pondavia joins me from Buenos Aires, Argentina. That's going to be cool. And she's going to talk about her new book. It's entitled Where Wonder Lives, Practices for Cultivating the Sacred in Your Daily Life. Where Wonder Lives. I love that. Mm. So join us then. Uh, Mike, what have you got? So I've got some words of encouragement for us all right now. Well, I got to say. Real quick, you know, here's not the to, music. Okay. Not to blow in your ear, but to listen to world spirituality on uh, online radio. Really? <laughs> and, yeah, right, I'm serious go. about that. Thank okay, you, Michael, thank you. And thank, thanks for listening, folks. Um, talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.